Welcome to my podcast, The Cross in the Desert, Speaking Hope and Freedom to Iran. I'm your host, Randy L. Noble, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life to join me today on my podcast. I want to talk to you about a very serious subject that I'm very passionate about, and that is the rights of women in Iran. My podcast is dedicated to becoming their voice, to bring awareness and education to the world, to understand the fear and the oppression they are under living in the Islamic Republic of Iran. Just recently, in the last week, the United Nations committed the egregious insult and offense to the women of Iran. How did they do that? They placed the Islamic Republic of Iran on a commission for women's rights, for gender equality, and women's empowerment. And I'm sorry to have to laugh, but this is just so hard to get my head around. The United Nations is supposed to be the bastion for human rights for all peoples of all countries, of all nationalities, and all religions all over the world. And you are electing the Iranian government, the Islamic Republic of Iran, to a commission on the status of women despite their notorious record of women's oppression. And and let me tell you what. UN Watch Executive Director Hillel Neuer said it best, quote, he said, electing Ayatollah Khamenei's Islamic Republic of Iran to protect women's rights is like making an arsonist into the town fire chief. It's egregious. Now, the UN claims that the Commission on the Status of Women is promoting women's rights, documenting the reality of women's lives throughout the world, and it's shaping global standards on gender equality and the empowerment of women. But ironically, the UN Secretary General just last year in 2020 released a report detailing Iran's human rights abuses against women and girls in every facet of their life. This is just so surreal. A regime that treats women as second-class citizens, that is, jailing them for not wearing the compulsory hijab, banning them from singing, uh, bans them from stadiums, doesn't let them travel abroad without the permission of their husbands. They get elected to UN's top women's rights body. You have got to be kidding. In the Iranian legal system, the worth of a woman is only half that of a man. And if a woman appears as a witness in court, her testimony is only worth half of a man's. It's because of Sharia law. It is because of Islamic law in Iran. Now, when I read these stories about the United Nations electing Iran to this Committee on Women's Rights, I have to ask myself one question. Are they not listening? Aren't they getting the message? Are we failing to educate people on the plight of women in Iran? And so here I am again. Forgive me if I repeat myself, 
but I'm going to educate you about women in Iran for the past 41 years. Women in Iran suffer under a system of discrimination and inequality. And you can see that if you took the time to read that in their constitution and in their penal code. Based on this system, the life of a woman literally is regarded as half as valuable as that of a man. In tort cases, she is entitled to 50% of what her male counterpart would be awarded. So regardless of her accomplishments and intelligence, her testimony in court is viewed with less credibility as she is only worth half of a man. That's under the law. That's discrimination. That's what the Quran teaches. In domestic cases, going a step forward, the court considers men, they're the head of the house, they have legal authority over their wives. A woman under Iranian law and in Iranian society is to satisfy, this is her her job in life, to satisfy all of man's sexual needs. And if she refuses, well, there's a consequence. She could lose her maintenance payments. That includes shelter, food, and clothes. Now, divorce is easily granted to a husband just by a simple request. And by the way, a husband can have up to four wives, anyone he chooses. But a Muslim woman, an Iranian woman, can only have one husband, right? And it has to be a Muslim. This, again, is Sharia law. So if she refuses to comply with the man's sexual needs, she's in financial trouble. That is a fact. In the workplace, the Iranian woman suffers discrimination at every level. Managers can specify the gender preference for candidates and job announcements for technical and management positions. Women are unlikely to obtain jobs that require travel because they need to obtain permission from a male family member before traveling for work or pleasure. They are treated like second-class citizens. Women are banned from entry in certain fields of study. They are excluded from many public places, even barred from singing and dancing. Athletic stadiums were closed off to women until the death of Sahar Koyari back in 2019. That sparked a global outrage. She set herself on fire because she was going to go to prison for six months for dressing up as a man and trying to enter into a stadium event to watch a soccer game. She said, I'm out of here, that's it. And she set herself on fire where there was such an outrage that there was this temporary fix that some Iranian women could go into the stadium. But that didn't change the law. It's still off limits to women in Iran. No singing, no dancing publicly. I know Iranian women that had Instagram accounts that showed videos of dancing and having fun and being happy. And the cyber police caught them, closed down their Instagram account, and they were arrested. You never heard from them ever again. So in fields of study, discrimination, singing and dancing, can't do it publicly, can't even do it on Instagram. You can't go to the stadium to watch a soccer game. Now, it gets worse. 
Women in Iran suffer from, of course, as you know, domestic abuse. They are not protected by the law. In fact, it was a few months ago that 14-year-old Romina Ashrafi was beheaded by her father in an honor killing because he believed that she had a boyfriend. A woman in Mashhad was burned to death in her house by her husband. This is misogynistic violence against women. And where is the protection for women in these crimes? Where are the accountability of men held accountable for these crimes? They get this three-year prison sentence. And that's all. Instead of facing capital punishment for this egregious crime. So, again, this is Iran's war on women. It's a system that discriminates systematically against women. They're treated like possessions and second-class citizens. They're exploited. Young girls are exploited. There are heavy jail fines and, and, and sentences and flogging for women who dare to go out publicly without wearing their hijab or not wearing a good hijab that is sloppily put on. They're not covered enough. And so women are treated in this way. And unfortunately, it goes even to deeper levels. Domestic violence against women really is not a crime under Iranian law. And criminal penalties for murder as a result of domestic violence or honor killing are lighter than the penalties for other acts of murder. Give me an example. Men convicted of murdering their daughters, as I mentioned, are imprisoned for only three to ten years instead of receiving capital punishment. Domestic violence in Iran is treated like a private family member. Now, just a few years ago, President Rouhani supposedly drafted a bill that would criminalize gender-based violence. But the bill languished in Parliament for five years. It was sent to the judiciary for review, but Iran's chief justice sat on the bill for more than two years. Now, back in September of 2019, the judiciary cleared the legislation after heavily amending and weakening it. The bill was sent back to Parliament. The revised bill has been criticized by the Center for Human Rights in Iran because it does not provide effective and sufficient guarantees to protect women against violence and really, in many cases, promotes and supports stereotypical, discriminatory, and sexist views toward women. In this bill, violence is really not defined. Neither is the term domestic violence. And it does not remove legal and enforcement obstacles to protect women from and prosecute their abusers. In this bill, it only requires abusive husbands to provide financial support for their wives for three months after they separate. And that encourages battered women to return to their abusive spouses. This bill requires women who seek justice in the courts after being battered or sexually abused by their husbands or fathers. They have to go through a one-month required period of reconciliation with their abusers. One month to be reconciled to them? And what happens during that time? 
you never know what will happen to a woman. It prevents an abused woman from getting a divorce on the grounds of abuse until her husband is convicted three times of engaging in violence against her. What if the second time he kills her? What good is it then? So Iranian law really allows the rape and the violence of women. Rapists can only be convicted upon the testimony of multiple witnesses. It requires four Muslim men or greater. And it it just encourages rape. It encourages violence against women. And when I read the war on women in Iran, it exhausts me. But I want to tell you something else. It was a few years ago when I worked for Family Christian Bookstore. I was on my way to the bank with my cell phone, of course, checking my messages. And I got a message from my Iranian friend, Atefi. This was during the time of the Persian New Year, where women go out to shopping stores and buy new clothes. They're getting ready for the spring celebration. And Atefi was going to a clothing store in Iran. And she's shopping for new clothes for spring. While she's inside the store, she notices some security officers confronting the store owner. Later on, she discovered that the security officers had found that the store owner was in violation of the Islamic dress code. Well, Atebitha said, well, how can that be? She's wearing her hijab. Well, that wasn't the problem. The store owner was being confronted because she had failed to put hijabs on all of the mannequins in the store window. And unless she did so immediately, she was going to be arrested. You know the, the law. It is against the law for women to go out in public without a veil. You can be fined, arrested, and flogged. But wait a minute. Please help me out. Is there not a distinction between human beings and mannequins? Well, what is a mannequin? A mannequin is a lifeless form of plastic representing a human being, and it's used to display the latest fashion in store windows. Oh, okay. I get it now. The Islamic Republic of Iran would prefer that all Iranians behave just like mannequins. Mannequins don't speak or talk back or protest or whine or complain. These lifeless plastic forms where whatever you put on them without a complaint and they stand in the window all day. Iranians went, Iranian women, to obey without a complaint and wear whatever they're told, just like the mannequins in the store window. Well, the sad reality to this image is everything scenario is that it reduces real human beings to lifeless forms without hearts and souls. Humans can't live under these conditions. They quickly lose all self-worth and self-esteem, and that's exactly what false religion does. It robs people, 
human beings, Iranian women, of all meaning and purpose in life, and it reduces them to little more than puppets on a string. Well, let me tell you what. God did not create you and me as lifeless forms or puppets on a string. He created you and me, Iranian women, with great value and gave them a heart to discover the beauty of life that surrounds them. He breathed into their souls love, purpose, creativity to shine like the brilliant colors of the rainbow. But our lives won't shine very brightly if we're reduced to the morbid and depressing existence of mannequins in a store window. Let me tell you the good news. God offers true hope and healing for Iranian women. The Bible teaches that he hears the cry of the oppressed and rescues them. I've been writing their stories and being their voices for more than 10 years. And I can say with confidence that the Bible gives Iranian women hope because it teaches that God is a God of justice. One particular psalm, Psalm 72, verses 12 through 14, I pray every day for my Iranian friends. It declares he will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who has no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and the needy, and he will rescue them. He will redeem them from oppression and violence for their souls. Their lives are precious to him. That's a powerful promise from God's word. You know, God understands our pain because he became a human being in Jesus and suffered excruciating pain on a cross in order to save us from our sins. Jesus was spit upon, mocked, insulted, betrayed. He understands evil and betrayal because he experienced all of them. And let me tell you what, the women of the Middle East are leaving Islam every day because they have found a God who understands their pain and suffering. They have read about Jesus in the gospel and his compassion and respect for women. Jesus is that God that understands suffering and pain. He is not a distant deity far away, disconnected from our pain, but he is a God who is both our refuge and strength and our ever-present help in time of need. Please join me in being a voice and praying for Iranian women. They need our voices and our prayers. It is an insult to women all over the world for the United Nations. I wanted to say the United nothing. The United Nations to elect Iran to a committee on women's rights. What hypocrisy. What a sham. Thank you so much for spending time with me today on my podcast, The Cross in the Desert. Continue to please pray for my Iranian friends. Have yourself a great week, and I will see you next time on The Cross in the Desert. God bless you. Thank you.